welcome to Walking Dead Sunday. <laughs> and you are now listening to the More Than Athletes live show. I'm one of your co-hosts, Colleen Flaherty, Certified Strength and condi- Conditioning Specialist. Wow, speaking is <laughs> hard for me this evening. And a creator of Awakened Athlete. Um, this show is live, so call us at 347-989-1286 or join the live chat to ask your questions or simply uh, chime in and chat with us because we'd love to hear from you. The purpose of this show is to empower athletes, parents, and coaches to make healthier, more holistic choices for the longevity and health of youth athletes because as we grow older, you know, we still want to continue and play sports, but we can only if we keep our bodies healthy and strong. I tore both my ACLs as a teenage athlete, and it definitely rocked my world um, for for a really shaky ride. Um, It's found that injured athletes suffer PTSD symptoms as well as a varying range of depression. So I created Awakened Athlete to change that and more for young athletes of today. You can find out more about our programs at awakenedathlete.co. Next, I want to introduce my co-host, Sierra. She is a certified art therapist, and she is the one that can beautifully balance my very physical and sport uh, mind with her passion of helping children um, with their uh, mindset, their emotions, and tying it all together. I love that she brings her insight and passion um, to these conversations because it just deepens them to a whole nother level. And um, I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more right now. Welcome, Sierra. Hi, Colleen. Thank you. Um, I just want to say quick that I love how you, Colleen, um, really approach the the young athletes with that mindset of the importance of psychological and mental and emotional health and how that contributes to their physical performance. So I just think it's so awesome and so needed. Um, and you fill that you fill that void, and it's great. So, yes, I am a licensed art therapist. I practice in the Rochester area. I specialize in working with youth, um, adolescents, and children, and I do that because I was a very anxiety-ridden teenager, and I felt bitter a lot of the time, Um, and I think I just would have benefited really greatly from having someone whom I could, you know, safely express my feelings to without fear of judgment or some other kind of counterproductive response, whether it would be advice or someone telling me what I should do, Um, just didn't really have that. And so I ended up kind of holding a lot in, and that's probably where the bitterness came from and the anxiety. So now that I'm in that position of being able to help teenagers who might be feeling this way or or other ways, um, I just love the experience of meeting a young person and seeing their inherent strengths and then being a witness to them discovering and utilizing those strengths themselves. Uh, I really enjoy helping kids move forward on their paths of self-growth and development. It just really increases their chances they'll contribute positively in their own ways. So it's like a, you know, pay it forward. It's a full circle kind of thing, and um, it just, it feels good to do, and I love it, so... Amazing, yeah, and what you do is so needed because 
a lot of times kids don't get the opportunities to express what they're feeling um, and what's going on in their life with people, adults in their life, because of fear of, you know, whatever responses they're going to get. So it's really nice to have you as a, you know, third party, so to speak, to really hold that space for listening and healing for them. Thanks. Yeah, I, you know, if you're a young person listening or a parent of a young person and maybe you're a parent and you feel like your kids may be a little stuck or not, something's holding them back from moving forward or you're a kid and you just aren't feeling very good, then, you know, therapy might be uh, something you might want to look into. And I I can be looked up on psychologytoday.com. You can find my profile. I'm also linked through the, um, I think, the, your website, right, Awakened Athlete? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Great. So Yay. I'm out there. <laughs> All righty. So stuff coming up that I want to just reiterate. Meditation and stretching is free on Sundays at 4.30 to 5.30. Um and all ages are welcome. Uh, on the 10th of February at 4 p.m., Renee Nearpast is an acupuncturist in the area, and she's hosting a free class, which I'm super, or not a free class, a class um, on qigong and meditation and Chinese herbs for healing our sore bodies as active people. So that's going to be amazing. So make sure you check out the calendar and sign up. And then beginning at the end of February, the 25th, myself and Coach Josh are leading a 10-week soccer clinic at Elite Fitness. Um, For soccer players, it's going to be a combo of dynamic warm-up, strength for injury prevention, and soccer agility to get our bodies ready for the upcoming outdoor season. So make sure you sign up for that and get there. Um, So today, Sierra and I are talking about being in the flow and how fear can knock us off our game with feeling in the flow. And a lot of this is going to be um, Sierra leading this conversation, um, and I'm just going to help uh, enhance when I can. So um, I think we should start off here by talking about, like, what, is flow because I'm sure a lot of young people out there and even adults have no idea what we mean by being in what what flow is. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of one of those concepts that we that people talk about or um we often will speak of concepts on this show that are so hard to put into words and yet I think everybody kind of um knows almost within they know what the the truth of that that concept is it's just so hard to express um and i was thinking last episode when we were talking about intention versus expectation and um how we want to set an intention for our goals but not necessarily an expectation and i was i was thinking well you know first of all um how do how do we kind of realize our intention how do we how do we uh help ourselves get there and i felt you know we i think we talked about uh, flow a little bit and flow is definitely a you know almost like the best way for us to um experience the the coming alive of our intentions right um mm-hmm. so but what it is 
again, hard to put into words, but it's how we feel when we're like fully alive. You, um, we're so involved with what we're doing and we're in harmony with the environment around us to the point where sort of uh, there's no real separation of self and the activity we're doing. So it's like we kind of become that which we're doing. You know, you don't really, you kind of lose all sense of time or um, not really bothered by anything. You're just so focused on on what you're doing in a, on a moment-to-moment basis that it uh, it all kind of, there's like a seamless feel to it. And, and it feels like there's sort of a paradox where you feel totally in control of what you're doing, but you also feel like you are kind of succumbing to um, something greater than yourself that's happening as well. Uh, yeah. Have you ever, have you ever, it, like experience this is it can you describe your experience with that and when it happened for you yeah so there's two times where i distinctly rem- remember this happening and the first was in soccer games when you just feel like everything is clicking and you know the whistle blows to start the game and then it feels like 2 minutes later the whistle blows to end and the half and you're just dumbfounded as to where time just went because you feel like you just started and, you know, all this stuff had passed you by and you were involved in it, but there was no really keeping track of the seconds and the minutes um, that were passing you by and everything just felt, like you said, seamless. And the second part was when I was at college and I was doing art and I was an art therapist, and I, in my art classes, I remember working in the studios late at night, and, you know, I would get there at 5, and all of a sudden it'd be midnight, and again, you're like, whoa, I, you know, you're so focused on what you're doing, and just so in the the moment to moment that, like, that's the biggest thing for me, is time has no, you're not not aware of time whatsoever. Yes, yeah. I had the same thing for me, like, with, um, well, you know, uh, primarily art, but it's like, it's almost like I, I am the paintbrush. And like for sports, it's like you, you become the game pretty much. You're, you're just, mm-hmm. you're part of this, this big thing happening. And uh, right. it's really cool. It's more, it's something that's most, most easily happens when we're doing that kind of thing, like singing or dancing or playing a sport or um, in an artistic activity. Uh, but it can happen all the time if we, if we work on it and we sort of practice certain things. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's something that probably everybody can think of a time when they, they experience that. Sometimes it's like a conversation with somebody. You're just like, man, that just felt like, you know, so easy and natural and you feel comfortable and it, the time flies by. You've been talking to somebody for all of a sudden it's three hours and it's like, you know, mm-hmm. you're just in, a, in the flow of engagement with that with that other person. Right. Such a strong connection oh. there. So. Yeah, I like that word engagement. Like it feels like every cell in your body is engaged. Yeah, fully. Yeah, fully engaged, complete involvement. Um, and I just want to make sure I give the credit to. Um, I read this book in undergrad. I think it was called Flow. 
Um, this is kind of the leading authority on flow. This guy, his name is Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Uh, you can, instead of reading the book nowadays, you can just go on YouTube and you can type in like probably flow, but there's some talks by him and he, he, uh, he expresses it greatly and he's spent, you know, 40 plus years sort of working this out. I think his initial intention was to try and define what causes happiness. And this is sort of what he came to was that when you are, you find that full engagement in, in the moment, moment to moment, that's really what causes happiness. It's the the optimal experience he calls it. So, so yeah, it's uh, cool. for sports and for the sports people. You know, we we wanted to talk about um, what gets in the way of that and what you can do to uh, to experience it more readily, right? Yep. So. What are, you know, what are some components that enable flow to take place? Like, how do we step into our flow? Well, for one thing, you you have to love what it is you're doing. Um, you have to find a and if it's, even if it's something, so say you're kind of, um you've you're you're able to do it with the things that you know you love like a sport or um something like that and you're like how can i be in the flow when i'm like driving my car that's where that's when you sort of um think about what it is you're doing and maybe you find a way to for to gratitude of driving the car you're you're you know engaging all your senses you're feeling the road beneath beneath you and the wheels on the road and you're you kind of feel yourself at one with your vehicle um type of a thing so you can you can find a way to love anything you're doing it could be washing the dishes and we've talked about this before it's uh it's also similar to mindfulness right i mean that's that's how i think of it do you think of, yeah. think of it that way it kind of feels like that to me so oh um, i think my mindfulness yeah mindfulness is like part of it it seems like for sure um, mm-hmm. and you also want to make sure that there is a balance between um challenge and skills, so like you um it's not like you necessarily have to be like perfect at doing something like mastered this this skill that you're doing for you to experience flow. you actually want to feel a sense of challenge because that's what's so engaging about it is trying to kind of up your game and meet a challenge. And and so if you say um if you're if the challenge is like too low and your skills are are high, then you're going to be bored and that's going to not enable flow and if your your um skills are low and the challenge is high, then that creates kind of anxiety. Um, like you're not really capable of of meeting the challenges because your skills aren't quite there yet. So, uh, part of flow is, I think, a sense of building upon your your skills, your natural skills, and then also having a challenge there to to drive you forward. Um, yeah, I, I think for coaches and parents, it's really important to reiterate that challenges that are like age and developmentally appropriate because yeah. I 
Like, I ran a training session a couple weeks ago with my girls' team. They're eight and nine years old. And I'm new to coaching this age group, like, as a head coach. So I had this idea for um, some skill work that we would do. And the girls totally didn't get it. They had fun, but they just didn't carry it out properly because developmentally-wise, it wasn't age-appropriate. Even though they still had fun doing it, they didn't complete it successfully, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote. But, again, like, you still have to think, like, it has to be challenging enough for them developmentally where they can achieve some type of success, but not too challenging where they're just, like, high anxiety because they can't reach the bar. Yeah, or they just just want to give up or you kind of, yeah, like, give up. Yeah, or you just feel inadequate or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's that's very important. Um, and depending upon where you are in regards to like on your your path and in your your skill or your sport or whatever it is, then that's you kind of have to let that be as well. You know, like mm-hmm. when, again the expectation and intention thing, like expecting yourself to be. F- further along than you are and having that sort of pressure uh is not is not going to allow for flow for sure um another another thing i think is that i was thinking of is um oh no i lost my my train of thought for a second there hmm it's okay it happens we can come back (laughs) darn it well, yeah, we can we can I guess move on I guess uh, to what gets in the well we are kind of already talking about what gets in the way of flow right yeah so, so let's move into that yeah so we really I kind of we wanted to focus on fear and how mm-hmm. fear interferes oh I remember now it was okay. um it was uh. This is the same thing, though. It's still, it's still something that gets in the way when you have sort of a when you're when you're concerned with a reward, like if you're doing yeah. something, and, and that kind of goes along with doing something because you love it. If you're doing something for a different reason, um, maybe it's the the win or the trophy um, that that uh, will get in the way because that's more of like the expectation thing too. So these all kind of tie yeah. together, really. Um, so, and then that also leads into fear because, you know, if you're doing something for a reward, that reward could be um, pleasing my parents or or not disappointing the coach, uh, which is basically your a fear. It's a fear. If you're not doing that, you're afraid. You're afraid of disappointing others. You're afraid of um, maybe failing, failing yourself or failing the coach or the team. Um, so that that all is going to severely disrupt flow. Uh, and I know you've talked about how you've had times where you're, like, on it, you, like, kicked a ball and it just went for you, like you were kind of almost amazed at yourself. And can you think of, like, for yourself? Um, and I know you've talked about, too, not feeling, like, good enough in your sport at times and feeling like you should have done yeah. better. And do you think that that was something that interrupted the your ability to really be more in the flow more often? 
Definitely. And as an athlete, I think you, you know, we're so taught to have this, like, expectation of greatness and perfection, and that's why you practice, you know, the old saying, practice for practice makes perfect and my coach taught us that perfect practice makes perfect and Mm. but like when are you going to be perfect like perfect is really inattainable like you're going to do your best and be your greatest in the moments and work at being your best but that might not be what your expectation is like we were talking about last time like expectation versus intention um Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of very high expectations of myself, you know, which I think in turn was really high expectations I created in my head from my parents and my coach um, because my parents were very loving, my coach was very loving, and I wanted to please them so much that I created this kind of false, uh, expectation that I had to live up to, and that was just within myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I would get so hard on myself for the mistakes or this this um, expectation I didn't live up to during soccer yeah, games. Right. It just becomes so painful to to feel like you've made a mistake or to actually, you know, uh, not do something as well as you thought you you should have at that mm-hmm. you end up fearing you would just fear doing that again because it's just like you don't want to you don't want to feel the sting of that doing that again and I I experienced that I still you know I still find myself doing stuff like that where I I'm like oh I you know I shouldn't have said this or that and um, I don't let it get in my way anymore but I certainly used to where it became like I you know, would beat myself up. And then when I, next time I'm engaged in the activity, I, I'm in my own way because I'm afraid of, of doing something that I'm going to beat myself up for again. So it just mm-hmm. totally it just think, disrupts everything. Yeah, and you and I were talking about the other day how we would, as teenagers, like go home and at night we would think about all the things that we said during the day and we would just, you know, hate ourselves because we're like why did you say that like that was so dumb and like we would critique like what we said during the day and then again then when we're in that situation again maybe we don't talk or Mm -hmm. be ourselves and show up really authentically because we just were like how could we be so silly and so say those things but it was fine we only are critiquing ourselves no one else is critiquing us right yeah, there's a difference between like self-reflection and um you know, self-observation and and enhancing, you know, your insight and awareness into yourself and your behaviors and and then mm-hmm. self-hatred. I mean, there's a fine line there right. to where self-hatred is very fear-based. It's fear that fear of judgment and fear of maybe public humiliation, um, fear of not being good enough. And so yeah. then the next time, the next time you're out there, you're not really putting yourself out there because you don't want to feel that stupid again. Sucks. Right. And I think that's oh. like every teenager everywhere. <laughs> right. Like, right. I think that part of being a teenager is like testing the water, see what gets a reaction and, you know, if you're not 
solid in yourself, you're like you're going to be really affected by what people, how people react to what you say, what you do, how you dress, how you do your hair, you know, all that, those types of things. And, um, like, I see it a lot and I hear it a lot from other parents and coaches how um, particular their children are when it comes to, like, what they say and, you know, how they act because it is. It's like you want to fit in with your group of people or maybe, like, another group of people, but at the same time you're trying to figure out, like, you and your values, and we've talked about that before. Um, so finding that balance as a teenager is just it's like an experiment. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, and it's if you have good, you know, support systems, you know, it might go better than others. Um, but it's, yeah, it's there's a lot of fear in there. So how how do you um like overcome these fears like these fears of like reactions from other people and having these uncomfortable feelings like how can we offer something to teenagers and parents listening Well yeah it's easier to kind of offer something to the parents and coaches cuz I think for teenagers when you're in kids when you're in a situation where you're in a school environment. I mean, you're you're in a fishbowl, and um, yeah. kids, it's sort of just a culture to uh, point out everybody's flaws. Um, so yeah. it's almost like it would. It almost feels like you're going against instinct to not defend yourself from that by not putting yourself out there. I mean, that's certainly how I felt. I I felt like I just needed to kind of stay under the radar to avoid. Um, feeling humiliated or feeling judged or um, being the focus mm. of everybody's attention in a negative way. So that's it's yeah. tough. And I think, you know, once you're kind of out of that environment, it certainly um, kind of propels you forward on the path of, of self-growth and development. Um, there are those rare cases of kids who uh, – their, one of their values is to be original and to not sort of just do whatever so that you can feel like you belong or so you're not picked on. Um, and those kids are awesome um, and they're they're very resilient because they really they put up with a lot. You know, they're they're really mm-hmm. able to just kind of let it bounce off of them, and uh, it's just not rare. And that's and I was not like that. And and there's you know for the for a lot of people who are more sensitive um it just doesn't feel like a possi- a possibility really you know that stuff really right. hurts um so i feel like it's really the parents and the coaches job to do their best in role modeling um themselves and for the kids you know mm. helping the kids see the importance of um forgiveness and self compassion uh, where, how do you, like, kind of strive for that balance of self-reflection and, you know, um, being open to feedback and constructive criticism and allowing it to help you grow rather than it hindering your progress. Um, parents and coaches, like, and I think you talked about this too, coaches with their you know, their intense focus on the win and mm-hmm. can't help but think that's can't help but think that's more 
selfishly motivated, like, you know, whether you guys yeah. win or not is a reflection of me and, and how I'm doing my job. So to me, that's sort of a selfish intention. Um, and yeah. really, you're, yeah. you're, you're in such a great position as a coach to, to be a mentor to these kids and, you know, to try to put your, your needs and your, your wants aside and really focus on what you can do to, to help these kids grow. And sports are such a, an amazing way to do it. So, you know, That's kind of how do you push, push kids forward a little bit and challenge them without making them feel bad about themselves at the same time? I think, I think adults can, can do that. It's, um, it's, you know, about striking a balance between being uh, compassionate but also um, firm, you know, having mm-hmm. having goals yeah. and to stride towards and, 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 but believe, you know, knowing, conveying the message that you think you know they're capable, capable and you believe in them to be able to reach these these goals along the way. My coach, when I was playing, he, for the first time ever in my life, he wrote down and gave, like, player evaluations. And we were only 13 years old. And he wrote down, you know, what we were, our strengths and our weaknesses and what he wants to see from us, you know, going forward into the next year. And that was the first time that I've ever had anyone write down like, my strengths and my weaknesses and, like, sit me down one-to-one, especially as a teenager, that's really, that was really um, eye-opening. And for him, though, he set the stage coming from a very compassionate, loving place. He wasn't writing down things that were so absurd I didn't trust him anymore. It were mm-hmm. things that he had observed and he had taken the time to watch me specifically, you know, and make this critique and then he watched my teammates one-on-one and made theirs and like that's what you have to do as a coach is like you have to come from that loving and compassionate place of wanting to help your players grow because that when you say hey you know a better way to kick this ball or throw this ball or shoot this ball is gonna look like this and we just need to tweak it a little bit you know point your toe, you know, rotate here. And, like, our job is to consistently call out faults just so that athletes grow even more. And it's not going to be a nice experience for the athletes if you're doing it as a mean person and from Mm -hmm. a place of only wanting to win and, um, you know, wanting to show that you're doing your best as a coach not from a place of, like, player advancement and um, growth in itself. So when I coach and when I train, you know, I have to watch my players and my clients very, um, very well because someone could get hurt or they're not going to learn a skill the right way and they're just going to keep repeating, you know, bad form or, you know, bad habits, and that's not going to serve them as they – as they get older or as they progress. So I think as coaches, like, we're really good at the physical side of that calling out. 
and we need to like step into our authentic um, power that we have to be able to support them with things like self-awareness and um, having that space for self-compassion. You know, a kid didn't make a pass. Okay, you know, we all make mistakes, and that's that's fine. As long as you're not going to crumble to the ground and fall to pieces, you know, we you just got to do it again. Try again. Um, so we do have a lot of power, and I think coaches need to really, like, step up and own it that we have so much power to create amazing human beings, not just amazing athletes. Yeah. Yeah. And like not always giving kids the answer is sometimes the answer. Cause you know, I think we forget as adults that um, if you give kids that kind of that space and the compassion and, and the support and those, the ways they need it, that they'll, they're going to um, have they have it in with the, in themselves to kind of figure this stuff out. So, right, sometimes it's just about mm-hmm. that's okay and try it again because I, I, I think you can figure this out. I don't even need to tell you what you're doing wrong because you'll you'll figure it out kind of a thing. I mean, I don't right. know how many times when I was younger because, you know, and, again, I always bring this up, but I didn't have the distraction of um, going on the Internet all the time, but sometimes I would just be, you know, playing around with something or trying to do something for no particular purpose than just to try to make it happen and I would you just do it over and over and over again and you your mind is capable of figuring it out because that's you know our our brains are great problem solvers and um right and if you're if you're motivated and you are enjoying what you're doing then you're going to you're going to make it happen and and you know just need you need people you need those supports to kind of lift us up to when we're feeling down. Um, And that flows right into the next point of, I see this all the time as a nanny and as a coach, is helping kids tolerate those uncomfortable feelings of trying to figure it out Mm -hmm. and giving them that space to do it and not wanting to jump in and, like, solve it for them. Um, And really just allowing them to... um, embrace the uncomfortable feelings because for me I think like if you're able if you're given the space as a kid to and I've seen it and before my very eyes this happen if you give them the space to figure it out yeah they might be frustrated but like you said their brain our brains are super smart and when they get it they are so happy like they just conquered something and they have that like, that's something that their whole entire body, not just their memory, but, like, their muscles and their cells are going to remember that feeling of going from frustrated, trying to figure it out, to figuring it out and elation. And, like, that's yeah. going to be something that they carry on into every single thing that they do, be it sports or school or relationships. Like, they're going to be okay with that uncomfortable feeling because they're like, hey, this is a challenge, but... I can do it because I've done it in the past and now I can do it now as an older kid or as an adult. Absolutely. And that's, you know, who are the most successful people are the people that almost put themselves in those uncomfortable feelings and situations Um, because you, you, it becomes more tolerable. It's like, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it's, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to die. It doesn't feel like a threat to your ego, like you're, you know, um, 
gonna it's like that fear of failure thing you know all the great inventors i mean they failed hundreds of times before they got what they were trying to do right so you know Mm -hmm. allowing kids to um feel that stuff and and yeah same thing for me like um taking care of lots of kids and you you see them kind of having a little meltdown over something like a um i have an example i was with a kid and he like had a project from last time that he was working on um this kid's like six years old and he um there was a piece of tape on it when he we had put it aside for him to work on the next time and the tape got stuck to something and then it ripped a little bit of his project and he you know kind of started to lose it a little bit like this is this project's garbage now like I can't what am I going to do you know like so I gave him a space for a minute you know I you have to be able to as the adult or the coach be able to tolerate uncomfortable feelings too because I think that a lot of times gets in the way like you care for this young person and you don't want to see them suffer um, so mm-hmm. it's hard to tolerate. It's it's hard to to tolerate them being uncomfortable. It makes you uncomfortable, and you can't tolerate that kind of a, mm-hmm. a thing. So it's like let's just fix this. Um, so the instinct is to like reach in there and be like, oh no, here we just do this, and you're good to go, right? But um, instead, I just asked him, well, is there is there something else you could do? Is there something you could do to um, to make it better or anything like that and you know he he did he figured it out so and then he was fine (laughs) and Mm -hmm. uh it's those kinds of experiences like you said that build confidence and um allows them to take risks in the future healthy risks and and continue to grow and yeah and uh and accomplish more and more Mm -hmm. right and as an athlete i mean you put yourself in the, you sign up for, <laughs> maybe when you're little, your parents sign you up for, but as you get older and you can make decisions, like, you sign up for being put in uncomfortable situations that are unknown mm-hmm. to you when you go to practice. Like, you yeah. have no idea what a coach is going to do today, and you're choosing to walk onto that practice field time and time and again and be challenged and overcome physical, mental, emotional obstacles, like think of conditioning. Like how many times were you like running around the field or court and you just wanted to quit because you were so tired, but you didn't. Mm -hmm. And it's just like as athletes, we're, you know, the name of the show is more than athletes because you do that, and but you also take all of those things and can apply them to other areas of your life. And that applies like to your flow, to your intuitiveness, to your emotions and your mental state. Like, you have to challenge those things as well um, to get better and expand and, um, you know, overcome these fears. You can't just rely on your very physical being to carry you through life because it's not not reality. It won't happen. For a time it will. But as a human, you have to be able to... um, flow more with other pieces of your of your whole being and that being what I just mentioned your mindset and your thoughts um and your emotions mhm so yeah coolness yeah, yep oh, i yep. love it we have 5 minutes left so like really quickly do you want to just mention like how how do we 
train flow? Can we even train flow? Well, I think for one, the first thing you have to do is be able to identify your barriers. Um, so mm-hmm. if you're feeling like you're you're always just not in the flow, like there's some kind of a struggle or a sense of forcing something there, and then you end up being feeling frustrated and angry or whatever it is, um, not feeling good and uh, not feeling fully engaged, then what is it that's getting in the way? Could it be a fear? Um, and I think that is like a, a, you know, actually one of the most difficult things because in our society, it's like, I, I ain't never scared. <laughs> like, you know, you're not <laughs> yeah. supposed to be, you're not supposed to be scared of anything. And if you are, it's seen as like a weakness. Um, yeah. And so acknowledging that, is a difficult first step, but that's what's necessary. So um, okay. you can't overcome a fear if you don't, if you won't acknowledge that it's there. And right. so shedding, you're shedding a light on that, and automatically when you bring something out of the dark, then it almost kind of starts to work itself out a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So then you you recognize the fear, and then you figure out why <laughs> it is you you have that fear or whatever it is that's getting in your way, you figure out why that might be. Um, Could it be that I am feeling pressure from my coach or my parents and can I do, can I express this in some way? Is there, um, if I can't express it to the source of pressure that I'm, you know, the, the source, then um, finding any way to express it is better than, you know, no way of expressing it. So even if you have to sort of express it in talking to a a trusted confidant or work it out in, you know, music or art or something like that um, and figure out how to deal with that, then you you can move on a little bit. Um, So, uh, you know, I think that those are the main ways to sort of take the fear and or to to work to work with what you've got and then then you'll be able to experience flow more more readily. Yeah, so coming full circle, you said that we get in the flow when we do things that we love to do and what make us really happy and what we're passionate about. And you know, when we are in situations where we're not really excited to be doing it. You know, we're not passionate about it. We don't love it. It's, you know, asking ourselves why we have those feelings. Like, why why don't we like this activity? You know, what's holding us back from liking it? What are these barriers that I'm putting up for missing the enjoyment of the process of, you know, partaking in this activity or this class, you know, as a student athlete. So just really asking ourselves, you know, why are, why are you having, why am I having the reactions that I'm having to this? And right. having that internal dialogue, because I think we've talked before, we have the answers inside of us. So just asking and then listening is a very powerful tool. Yeah, yeah. It could be that you love something, but there's a, you know, um, some kind of uh, end goal that's getting in your way of enjoying it, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, getting a scholarship or, um, you know, 
the it's a big game we have to win it um type of a thing and then you're you know that ends up kind of almost creating the exact situation you you fear because you're not in the flow and when you're in the flow you really are performing you tend to perform at your best because everything just clicks like you were talking about earlier right so, i mean i i just so think of oh go ahead go ahead I was just thinking was of that coach, um, the Here coach of of Duke, and I think he was mm-hmm. just about to, you know, he was getting, he was supposed to get a thousand. It was like this game, he could get his thousandth win, and he would be like the coach with the most, um, the male coach of basketball with the most wins. And he, you know, he they they won, but at the end, he was like, I wasn't thinking about that. Like I'm, I'm just thinking about step by step what we have to do in this game. Um, yeah, and that's part of it too. Is like you you don't have this end goal. You have clear goal every step of the way, rather than one end. Um, so you're deciding every move what the next move is. You're not you're not thinking at the at the end of it. You're thinking like every moment. Um, so awesome! <laughs> it cut you off right.